the Ain't No Fang podcast. From Arizona Sports, Ain't No Fang. The Arizona Diamondbacks are the hottest team in baseball. And if you don't agree with that, Tori Lovello will fight you. <laughs> Welcome back to the Ain't No Fang podcast. Steve Zinsmeister, Cody Fincher is with me as well. Um, so let's talk about what happened yesterday in the game. I think that this is, we don't usually do a lot of game recap because we're kind of a weekly podcast. So usually by the time we talk about these things, they're not relevant anyway. <laughs> but I think what happened yesterday is a real culmination of what's been happening with this season. So you can paint the picture for me, Bear, but basically Tori Lovello gets ejected, which is mm-hmm. always funny because we all can realize how hilariously nice of a person Tori Lovello is. So to watch him fight with people is awesome. Because you know that it really means something to him. He's yeah. not just being mean just to be mean like a Lou Pinella. He like actually <laughs> cares about what's happening and that's why he gets agitated. Yeah. So he got ejected because Corbin Carroll got hit twice. Twice. And he's in the hand, clearly far and away area. the best mm-hmm. player on this team right now. Yeah. And in fact, maybe a top five player in all of baseball, which we'll get to in a second. But Tori is defending his guy and gets heated. I, th- I thought he was going to fight JT Real Muto. That- it's so yeah, so Matt Strom, the Phillies opener, was trying to pitch inside to Corbin Carroll. It plunked him in his first at bat, plunked him again in his second at bat, all in like the hand wrist area. Um, so that's dangerous because Carson Kelly, who just came back, miss, has missed the entire season because he was hit by a pitch in his forearm in it's spring true. training. So you, those those injuries can happen, and they've happened before. Remember the year? I don't remember what year it was, but Paul Goldschmidt got hit in the hand or the wrist area and pretty much missed half the season for the Diamondbacks, 2016, something like that. Um, anyway, but yeah, so Torrey comes out, and I, I thought it was funny because – uh, you remember a few years ago when Tori Tori got into it with Yadier Molina? Yeah, I was like, "Oh no, he's talking to the catcher again." But I don't think he called uh, JT Miyamoto an MF for this time, like he called. Oh, like he's <laughs> that's a good Yadier that's a good baseline. Molina. Not throwing uh, he that actually, out there. Tori actually started his post game presser talking about how much he respects JT JT Miyamoto, how good of a player he is. You and could kind of tell that while they were fighting. Sure, too. It, and, it, I totally. Who knows what was said in the in the scrum when the bench is cleared and everything? But Tori said it was me protecting my player Corbin Carroll and JT Real Muto protecting his pitcher. Yeah. Um. And totally. I totally understand all that. Um. But the fact is that I love what Tori did. I loved it because you can't have your best player, your best uh position player at the very least, get hit twice up and in. Like that's you can't have that. And at the time when Tory got ejected, it was five one Phillies in the third. So the Diamondbacks were down very early. Um, they end up winning the game nine to eight. They scored a bunch of runs, I think, in the fourth inning or something like that. Um, Evan Longoria had a three run home run. Corbin Carroll tied the game later. Uh, uh, tied the game at uh, five with an RBI triple. Longoria hit a three-run home run to make it nine-five later in that inning. Um, so there was a lot of. Uh, I, I feel like that ejection like injected some fuel into that team because they were down very early. Uh, GTO Rio Muto, by the way, hit for the cycle last night. Um, Not important. Yeah. <laughs> so like they, the, the Phillies had a good night, but cycle of being a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Single, double, triple home run, being a jerk. Yeah, um, that's but all that anyway, um, I love what Tory did. I loved him going out and protecting Corbin Carroll like that. 
and I think it really woke the team up. Also, Josh Rojas got ejected from the dugout, too, so there is another ejection there. Um, and uh, basically, Tory said that he was out there. He said, I have a right to be out here. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving this field. And um, You can't kick the, me out. <laughs> <laughs> you can't fire me. I'm quitting. Um, but... Yeah, he told the I will um, handcuff myself to this. The umpire field. told him, if you don't leave right now, I'm going to eject you. He goes, not leaving. And he goes, all right, see you. Go ahead. Bye. Yeah. And then, you know, it got more heated with him and Rio Muto, and the bench is cleared, and the bullpens come jogging out like they're going to do anything. And yeah, it was kind of, it was a weird game, very weird game last night. On top of that, the main reason. I don't think it happens the way it happened if it's anybody other than Corbin Carroll. Here's the reason why. Corbin Carroll has a legitimate MVP candidacy right now. He's going to win Rookie of the Year. He's going to win that war. Well, yeah, we're we're, we're beyond the Rookie of the Year discussion. That's pretty much his already. After James Outman cooled down for the Dodgers and really nobody else has stepped up to my awareness... People want to hand it to Ellie De La Cruz already well, after four games, but he's an incredible player, sure. and he might work his way into that sure. conversation. Why not? Yeah, uh, Yasiel Puig dominated, became the best player in baseball after yeah. being called up for like a month. Right, so it's not out of the realm of possibility. But Corbin Carroll has eclipsed that conversation. He is now in another upper echelon of conversation, which is the MVP race. And I don't want to get into that too much in June, but here's the month of June. By the way, today is June 13th. We're not even halfway through the month yet. <laughs> but keep that in mind as I tell you the statistics behind Corbin Carroll's month. He's hitting 415. He's on base 489. So every other time he comes to the plate, he ends up on base. Yeah. Or rounding the bases. Yeah. Uh, he has 37 total bases in June. He had 43 last month. He's almost to the same number in half the at-bats, half the plate appearances. He has four home runs, including a grand slam that was an accident, basically. I thought that grand slam, by the way, was going to be like a bloop down the line. He did, too. He didn't leave the batter's box. Well, last night, too, the triple he hit to tie the game at five, he hit the ball. and He thought it was going to go foul, so he didn't even run right away. Still ended up and then on he third. still ended up on third base easily. Yeah. Like twelve RBIs. Oh my goodness! He's only one RBI short of May. He's already three more than he had in April. Uh, he's got three stolen bases, which is well on its way to tying the last couple of months. He's walking at a decent clip. He's not striking out a ton. His slugging percentage is nine oh two in the month of June. Nine oh two OPS one point three nine two. This guy is the best player in baseball in the last two to three weeks. And for that reason, I think that what happened against the Phillies, they're probably trying to pitch him high and tight. Because sure. His that, swing I, is low, is is kind of an uppercut swing. But you know what's funny is he's one of the best in the game of baseball at squaring up high fastballs. Yeah. Well, that, that grand slam was a high fastball. Yeah. And it just carried and carried and carried. So for that reason, I don't really know what the game plan was. Maybe they've got data that shows some things try, I just don't know. Maybe but. high and in. I mean, high yeah, and tight. Sure. So, but it clearly didn't work out it, the way they hoped. Is it safe to say that the Diamondbacks have never had a player like Corbin Carroll? You mean like the mold? Like what? Like he, he's at, what truly he's a five-tool player. Like I think on he's got some everything. level, Justin Upton was that. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I, I, hindsight is twenty twenty. Looking back, he was. I don't not know if great Justin Upton hoped. was ever the fielder that Corbin Carroll is right now. That's fair. Or he, he's definitely not as fast. He was also never asked to play center field. Either. True, he was he's always true right, right field. fielder. 
He was drafted as a shortstop, but well, yes. that never really everybody. You know, everyone kind of moves. <laughs> yeah, everybody plays. Every shortstop. number one pick is a shortstop. Jacob Degrom was a shortstop. Okay, that's true. Yeah, uh, that's true. So that, to your point, I don't think they've ever had a player like certainly never that put all those elements together. Yeah, I mean they've had other guys who are really great fielding outfielders with some speed. Um, I think AJ Pollock was an all around kind of guy, but he was never as fast as right. Gordon. He was a Gold Glove center fielder, yeah. I believe. So they've had some good players. Yeah, but I don't. He's think... probably closest to Steve Finley. Yeah, I've heard those comparisons. Maybe that's the best comp. Yeah, Gonzo that... was never fast or a good fielder. No, he just hit good home runs. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you're probably Steve Finley's probably the only one in that conversation mm-hmm. for right now. And they've had some prospects like Christian Robinson always got compared to Corbin Carroll, and he's had his own issues. But yeah, and he's back now and performing pretty well in the minor leagues. Right. Um, but no, to your point, I don't think they've ever had a player quite like him. And this, he's versatile. In this a lot of team ways. right now is just they're so resilient. I mean the 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 series finale in Detroit that was. Uh, it was so early. That game was so early. It was like eight o'clock, eight thirty in the morning in Arizona time. So you're asking these guys to get up super early and then play another game, and they find themselves. Also, it's a could be on Peacock. Yeah, yeah, that's stupid. And uh, Zach Gallon has a not good game. Gives up five runs. He's been not very good on the road, by the way, this year. Um, but he has a he has a bad game, and the team still finds a way. I know it's the Detroit Tigers, and the Detroit Tigers are not good, but they still found a way on an early Sunday morning where they're down by three runs to come back and win the game 7-5. Or 7-6, something like that. I mean, I just... I've never seen... I I can't remember a team like this that was this um, tough, when, especially when they're down. Because a lot of times teams get down early. It's, It's really hard to come back. And they get down on themselves. They're trying too hard. This team doesn't do that, man. Like, and this the way they're designed. The you know get on base and run. They're not reliant on the long ball. I remember before the season started, we're like, who's going to hit home runs on this team other than Walker, right? And now I don't really care about that because yeah, they get home runs every once in a while, but it's the other things that is helping this team win. It's the stealing. I mean. Credit to Dave McKay, by the way. He might be the best, like, it's not really a, a title for a coach. He's the first base coach. But he is, like, this base running guru. Every every time they ask a player, like reporters or our, our hosts here about the running game, they are crediting Dave McKay. So I don't want to let that go un, unseen. But, man, and they have so many guys that are just fat. I mean, Rojas can steal a base, too. McCarthy, obviously. McCarthy made... Last night there was a he had a bloop kind of you know line drive down the line. Kyle Schwarber in left field kind of didn't really get to the ball very quickly, and McCarthy turned it into a triple. McCarthy like, has twelve stolen bases and spent about a month in AAA. Yeah, <laughs> so he's so fast. Yeah, he's so fast. Yeah, and so they can score like in in, in all sorts of ways, and I I really like how they're put together offensively. Uh, back on Corbin Carroll for a second. He's got 19 stolen bases, only caught stealing twice. So he's the best player on the team when it comes to a lot of things. By the way, uh, you brought up something I hadn't really thought too much about, which was the splits home and away for Zach Gallen. They're pretty drastic yeah. now that I look at them. He's very good at home. At home, 6-0, and 0.96 ERA, 
with a whip of 0.851. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. On the road, he's 1 and 2. Yeah. ERA 5.79, whip of 1.527. And if you want to talk about batting average against at home, 198, that's like Cy Young stuff. On the road, 290. That's a hundred people point are difference, basically. well above average against him when yeah. he's on the road. Yeah, is that Wh- something to be a little bit concerned which about? It's interesting because we, you know, Chase Field is a hitter hitter friendly park. True, and you know, I mean, I'm kind of concerned about it because I'm not saying that they're not going to win the division. They still well might win the division, but do you 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 better hope that if you're making the playoffs. Right now, that Zach Gallon's pitching at Chase Field, because right now it doesn't look very good when he's not pitching there. I mean, these are like Golden State Warriors twenty twenty three numbers. Where <laughs> okay. like they, they win cannot every win game, on the road. <laughs> they win every game at home and yeah. lose every game yeah. on the road. It makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he'll figure it out, but yeah, it's kind of concerning right now. So there were some big roster moves this week, and they got a lot of players back, which I think can be a good thing. Yeah. Carson Kelly is back. At the catcher position, they uh, optioned Jose Herrera, which, you know, I'm okay with that. I actually thought he held up pretty well in his time at the yeah, Diamondbacks so yeah. far, so I don't think he's out of the equation entirely. Uh, Joe Mantiply is back, their lone all-star from last season, mm-hmm. and certainly a welcome piece to their bullpen. Kyle Lewis is back from being injured, so to speak, but he's still in AAA, where, by the way, he's been mashing since he been came hitting back. nothing but nukes down there. So he might work his that way into the conversation, too. That whole situation was so weird because he was out for a long time with an illness. Like a virus. They said, yeah, I don't, I'm, probably not COVID though. Yeah, I don't guessing. know. I have no idea. No clue. I don't know if they would even disclose that. Right. So they never did. Even during the, when everyone was so like, uh, everyone was getting COVID all the time. It they never like really too disclosed long it. to be COVID though. Yeah. I mean, he's so, been out a long time. I, I don't know what it was, but yeah, he's back in Reno and he's hitting, he's mashing the ball, but it was kind of interesting. They brought him off the injured list, but just kept him in Reno and, I mean, I'll, I mean, he had a big hit last night. Again, every time we talk bad about P- Paven Smith, he does something good. But he had a big hit last night that uh, scored a couple runs to kind of bring them closer. It made it five three after Tory got ejected. But I, I still, I'm still not on the Paven Smith train. Still, I'm still not there. Um, but they've kind of needed him because Lourdes Gurriel has been kind of banged up lately, and he missed last night's game because I. I don't think he missed because of injury. I think on the broadcast they said he became an American citizen yesterday, so he got oh, yeah. yesterday off. How cool is um, that? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, they've kind of needed Paven Smith to be in the right field, and, um, you know, Carroll in left, and McCarthy's been playing center, but hopefully Lourdes is back fully healthy. Uh, but, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what they do with Kyle Lewis because he is hitting the ball really well in Reno, and his his first at bat in Diamondbacks uniform this year was a home run in Dodger Stadium. So true. Uh, I think there's a place for him on this team. Obviously, he's a right-handed hitter. They're very left-handed uh, heavy. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, it was interesting that uh, Kevin Ginkle got sent down because I mean I've never been a huge Kevin Ginkle fan. He's got good stuff, but he usually has 
pretty bad numbers. He's been pretty good this year. Yeah. So, and I figure they need bullpen help, but they must like the having three lefties in their bullpen with uh, Chafin, Mantiply, and Kyle Nelson. So, yeah, I guess there's something to that. I think you and I are both in agreement that having Carson Kelly back is a good thing. He is certainly a well above average backup catcher yes. to have now that Gabriel Moreno's your starter. But here's the quote from Tori Lavello that has some people stirring. Quote, I'm going to start out 50-50 and then work it from there. That, of course, being his comments on playing time between Kelly and Moreno. Do you take issue with Carson Kelly right away playing 50% of the time at catcher where Moreno has been very, very good? I I hope it's not 50-50 because nothing against Carson Kelly. He's been injured and everything, but Gabby Moreno is the better catcher out of the two of them. He's proven that while Kelly's been on the shelf with the injury. Um, he's he's above average with the bat. He's above average behind the plate defensively as well. I don't think Carson Kelly is that good of a defensive catcher. Um, he should be, in, you know, in theoretically a, a really good offensive catcher. He's shown he can be a good offensive catcher in the past, but for me, uh, Gabby Moreno is your is your starting catcher, and and I'm <laughs> I'm not gonna you know uh, totally bag on Tory here. He's been pushing a lot of of the right buttons this season. I mean, they're 41 and 25, um, and he has a lot to do with that. But I, I hope it's not 50 50 because I think you need Moreno on that field. He's been really good. And he's earned it. He's earned that spot. Um, he's hitting really well. He is, like I said, an above average defender. I think the pitchers enjoy um, throwing to him when they're on the mound. I think he calls a good game. You know, Zach Gallen was praising him on on one of the shows he was on recently on this station. So, um, and obviously Carson Kelly has you know familiarity too with all these plays. Him and Gallen came up together in St. Louis, so he really has familiarity with Gallen. So. I, I'm not opposed to Carson Kelly playing, but I think he should be kind of more of the traditional backup catcher, catch every few days, you know, give Moreno a spell on, especially, you know, a, uh, a day game after a night game type of thing. Um, you know, I, I just don't, I don't get why right away it's already 50 50 when Carson Kelly hasn't played in a game this year before last night. You know, that that's just my opinion. Part of it is probably getting him regular at bats. You don't want him to go from you know having a solid rehab stint where he's playing every well, and day, you, and you can't really have him nothing. Yeah, and you can't really have him DH because you don't have a third catcher. If something happens with Moreno, you have to move Kelly to catcher, and then you lose your designated hitter for the rest of the game. I imagine part of the difficulty of platooning these two guys is that you can't really do a traditional righty versus lefty platoon here because they're both good and bad at the same things gabriel moreno is much better of a hitter against left-handed pitching than right he's hitting 226 against right he's hitting 371 against left uh his ops against lefties 969 ops against righties 512 so moreno hits lefties but so does Carson Kelly. Over the course of his entire career, he hits 50 points higher against lefties. His o- OPS is 200 points almost higher against lefties. Mm-hmm. They do the same things offensively well, so yeah. it's got to be hard to... You can't just say, well, you'll play against lefties, you'll play against righties. It's not that simple. Yeah, they're both right-handed hitters, and they both mash lefties. So, And they both struggle on average to face right-handed pitching. Right. So, but I'd much rather have Moreno out there than Kelly just because I think he's earned it. He's a better think, defender. 
I think that because you traded a probably your second best position player mm-hmm. from last season yeah. for him and Lourdes sure. Gurriel, and they've both worked out really well. Uh, Gurriel had an incredible month of May. Moreno has had a really solid start. He's improved defensively. I think his arm has proven to be one of the best in the game already. Yeah, I, I think that I would probably like to see the split somewhat closer to seventy five twenty five. Yeah, but I understand I that. that giving only twenty five percent of the at bats to a guy like Carson Kelly when he's coming off of a significant injury, it doesn't give him a lot to work with. And maybe that's what Tory meant when he said, "As of right now, it's fifty fifty because he wants to get Kelly up to speed." I mean, you can't. Sure. Yeah, it's it's that could you, change. You're right. It's it's hard for a guy like Carson when he's hasn't played since March. I mean, well, he's played. Rehab he assignments. Yeah, he's he's played in the minor league in the rehab assignments, but he hasn't played a major league game. Since you know spring training, if you count that as a major league game, but he hasn't played you know high level ball since then. So, I mean, yeah, you have you, you can't just expect him to be like okay, I'm off the injury list. Let me sit down on the bench and wait three days to catch and then hit and whatnot. So I get that part, but I hope that it balances itself out where Moreno's getting more of the at bats and more of the playing time. And the way I view this too. You tell me how you feel about this, because we're going to have a lot of discussions in the coming weeks about the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. And Mike Hazen's already talking about, you know, our fan base deserves for us to be aggressive. He's, I like how he's talking, by I the way. I do, too. I do, too. I um, like it. But I feel like with that email that I got yesterday or the day before, whenever it was, that all these guys were coming back. Carson Kelly, Joe Mantiply, Kyle Lewis on some level will be back. It almost feels like getting a boost to the roster at a time when we're already talking about who are they going to trade for? What what prospects yeah. would you give up for what major league guys? Yeah. How much time do they have left on their contract? Well, let's look at some of these guys as those options too. They didn't need a huge boost at backup catcher necessarily, but it's nice to have. Joe Mantiply coming back into this bullpen is good. It's yeah. not a lockdown closer by any means, but it's a solid lefty who went to the All-Star game for you last year. And Kyle Lewis is a good corner outfield bat that's right-handed, something mm-hmm. that they don't have a lot of, and he's been hitting tanks in the minors. So these are a couple of pieces you can add without having to trade anything, and you're adding them midseason to an already impressive ball club. I'm still in the belief that they need to add a starter, a starting pitcher. Um, At least one. Yeah. And there's a few that have been thrown around. I've seen, you know, obviously Shane Bieber has been the big name. Um, Dylan Cease as well has been thrown around out there, but he's a Scott Boris guy, and he was second in Cy Young voting. Last yeah, year. I don't know if the White Sox would. He's got, uh, I think, a, uh, another year, maybe two of control. I've seen every Cy Young, or every uh, not every Cy Young, every White Sox player yeah. thrown around. Lance Lynn's been being uh, another, thrown around. Another interesting, an interesting name that I saw people talking about online was Marcus Stroman. Yep. Who is a free agent after after this year? So you might not have to give up a ton for him because he is a free agent. Though. Yeah, but we'll see. So I, I think they should add another starter. Not sure who it might be, but I do think still if they could get another late inning reliever to not saying he has to be the closer, but maybe a guy that can do the job because Cast Miguel Castro has kind of struggled as of late. Gave up that grand slam. You know, to the uh, Eddie Rosario in the Atlanta series, he gave up a run last night. He got out of it, and they won the game in the ninth inning. But I mean, and Chafin's Chafin's been good, but I don't really think of him as a ninth inning guy very much. So if they could get another guy like that, um, I'd be all for it. So, and also Mike Hazen talked about maybe going out and getting another big bat. I don't know where that 
person would play. I don't know what position they're looking for there. Just maybe DH. I don't know. JD Martinez. <laughs> no, hey, kidding. LA. Oh, I hate that he's there. Oh, I, know. I hate that he's hate in LA. He's playing so well. He's such a good hitter. I know. Why did, couldn't they have just kept him? Why? Uh, I have. This was supposed to be a good podcast, and you got me mad Sorry. by saying JD Martinez. It was funny, though. We all heard Oh, that my thing. God. I have three. Sucks that he's there. I have three trades in my head that if I were the Diamondbacks, I would do them. And I will not get into them today on this podcast. Oh, you tease. But we will, we're going to do a write up at ArizonaSports.com. We did the, we're doing this annually now, <laughs> uh, where we write up our trades that we would like to see the Diamondbacks make. And we try to make them as realistic as possible, not. Diamondbacks trade nothing for J.D. Martinez. You know, it's, it's even though that's exactly what happened in reality um, back in 2017. Right. Um, but no, I have I have a couple in mind that make sense on multiple levels, not just this is a good player. Go get him. But, you know, what can you realistically give up for them? What do their teams want in return? By the way, the context of the trade deadline this year is very difficult because I think there are really only like four teams that are for sure sellers. Oakland being one of them, even though they've been Kansas hot lately. City, Kansas City, Colorado, probably. But will they make a deal with the Diamondbacks? I don't know. Um, and yeah, Washington. Well, yeah, I think really those are the only four teams that are for sure sellers. There might you might throw the Cardinals in there if they continue to slide. Uh, last I checked, they were like 12 games under 500. I mean, the White Sox are almost 10 games under 500. But here's the thing is. With expansion of playoffs, more teams are eligible for the playoffs. Therefore, yeah. more teams are in That's contention. That's the wrench. That's the wrench. And the AL and NL Central divisions are so bad yeah. that everyone seems to be in the mix. Yeah. Which means that even though the White Sox may be falling behind, a good week or two could boost them right up towards the top of the division. I don't know if you said that because I was looking at the standings, but I mean, a team with some decent players that's normally good but is bad this year, the Cardinals. Yeah. I mean... They're horrible. They're 27 and 40. They're in last place in the so NL Central. 13 games under five. Yeah, they're bad. They're 2 and 8 in their last 10. And I would guess they're they have eight, a lot of salary they're too. They're 8 and a half games back of Pittsburgh for first place in that division. So can I uh can I tease you again? Oh. One of my three trades is with the Cardinals. Can I guess? Sure. Well, okay. There's a one that's illogical and one that's Okay. I really like if they could get Jordan Hicks. Okay. My 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 fanboy one is bring Goldie back. Mm. Bring Goldie home. But where does he play? Because Walker plays a really good first and he's having a good year. Those are interesting. And and he makes a lot of money, so I don't know if that'll work, but those are interesting. Bring Goldie back for the D backs run that he never really had. You'll have to uh keep an eye on ArizonaSports.com uh-huh. and our podcast probably next week we'll dive into those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's the thing about this deadline is that, and even the teams that we know will likely sell like the Royals, the nationals, the Rockies, uh, I forget the other one that I named earlier. Um, but Oh, Oakland. Yeah. They don't really have star players to give away. Mm -hmm. So even if Oakland decides they're going to sell, what are they giving away? Brent Rooker, the one good month of Brent Rooker, like Kansas city, like their biggest trade chip is probably a Roldis Chapman. And that's and probably like the whole reason they signed him. And like, not a good clubhouse. Guy. Right. Uh, maybe and people talk, Scott Barlow. And people are talking about Cleveland, like, you know, Shane Bieber and all sure. that. They're in, they're only a game and a half out of that horrible division. Yeah, I think what that stems from, that rumor, more so than where they sit are in the standings, is the fact that Cleveland always trades their pitchers when they get to the end. 
like think about what they did with Corey Kluber, Carlos Carrasco. Yeah. They move on from pitchers before it's time to move on from pitchers. They they do what the Tampa Bay Rays do and they get really good returns for them. So I think that's probably where that rumor comes from. More, yeah. more so than can they be competitive because Cleveland is a pitching factory. It doesn't make any sense to me, but <laughs> Cleveland's a pitching factory. All right, let's look at the schedule for the rest of the week. Um, they just started a homestand. The Diamondbacks did. Obviously, we talked about yesterday's game against the Philadelphia Phillies, a 9-8 to victory. The Diamondbacks have six wins in a row right now. That's mm-hmm. why I'm calling them the hottest team in baseball. Tori will fight you if you disagree. I've seen people say, like, the Oakland A's are the hottest team in baseball. I'm like, they've won some games, they've but won they're bad. Si- they've won six straight games, but they suck. Yeah. They are so bad. Not a good You team. can't be the hottest team and have 18 wins right now. They've won six How in a row. How dare you? They've won six in a row, and they're still the worst team by in the baseball way, in the standings. By the way. What does that tell you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, what are you talking about? Um, so three games left against the Philadelphia Phillies, including this afternoon's game, 640 start time. Yeah, um, they do get a game on ESPN plus on Thursday midday against Philadelphia. Then you get Cleveland for three games. That's an interesting one. Yeah, uh, the road trip I find very intriguing. You've got three Milwaukee <laughs> games. Then you've got a Washington game that was rescheduled. Yeah, wedged in the middle there on what was supposed to be an off day, I assume. And, oh, yeah, definitely. And then three so uh, San Francisco that's games. suck. They have to go to Milwaukee for three then, then they got to fly to D.C. for one game yep, and then immediately fly back out to the West Coast to play the Giants. Yeah, and Milwaukee's not exactly on the West Coast either. No. So. <laughs> what in the heck is that? That's a trip. Could they not have scheduled that for like any other time? I think that's stupid. So for that oh reason, my goodness. in that seven game road Why trip. Why didn't they just have them after the San Francisco game? On that Monday, June 26th, go to Washington and then fly home. It's still a cross-country thing if you do it that I way. guess, but it's not as cross-country. I guess. Yeah. I don't I don't know. Well, um, well, no, it'd be probably worse because you'd be going from San Francisco to D.C. and then back to Arizona. So Yeah, you're probably uh, right. That's probably the only way they could have done it. That's I mean, so just the way stupid. I view it, I, I realize this is one of the best teams in the National League right now, but... If you go three and four in that road trip, I'm I'm pretty cool with it just because of the sure. travel schedule. By the way. But those are really beatable teams right there. By the way, though, I, I'll give credit where it's due to Gabe Kapler. That Giants team is not talented at all. And they are above 500. They are two games above 500. They're 34 and 32. And their roster is like nothing to be desired. Hey, don't talk crap about Mike Yastrzemski. I mean, Arson Judge hasn't played a game for them yet, so, <laughs> I mean, we'll see. Did you but... see him address that on the Mookie Betts podcast? Mookie Betts has a podcast? Yeah, he does. He's oh. trying to be Draymond Green. Oh, great. Which is hilarious, because he's way better. So than Aaron Green. Judge, ta- or John Heyman? Uh, so he, so who, who, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Judge on joined Mookie Betts' okay. podcast. Okay. I know that's a weird sentence I just Right. Used. Um, that's the media in yeah, that's where they go. Yep. And Mookie kind of cryptically asked him about that tweet and he didn't call out Heyman, which he probably should have. Um, but Aaron basically put it in perspective of like where he was, like I was traveling free agency and like, I started getting all these texts, like you're going to the giants. He's yeah. like, I am. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, am really? I, I am. <laughs> cool. Uh, and what's since when the most interesting thing that he said about it was, he said, it's the one time where I get to decide what I do. Yeah. Free agency. And it felt like I had that taken away from me for a moment. Sure. Where he's like, this is the only time I get to choose 
and somebody's already choosing for me, right. and that's not fair. Right. And I, totally I do right. sympathize with that. It's hard to sympathize with a guy who just got paid like half a billion dollars. Yeah. But I do get that on some level. Anyway, Diamondbacks, one of the hottest teams in the game of baseball right now. They sit atop the NL West still. They are four games up on the Dodgers right now. Four. Seven games up on the Giants. Nine and a half on the Padres. I don't know what's going on with them. They're three games under 500 right now. The D-backs are eight and two in their last 10 and on a six-game winning streak. And they will continue to face the World Series Philadelphia Phillies, who have not played like World Series guys. Uh, thanks so much for listening this week. Next week, probably going to dive into some more trade deadline stuff. That seems to be a pretty popular conversation as well. Uh, for my good friend Cody Fincher, I'm Steve Zinsmeister. You've been listening to the Ain't No Fang podcast here at ArizonaSports.com and on the Arizona Sports app. Yeah.